Well, well. <laughs> <laughs> we're here to start talking about what does it mean to be human? How are we human? I don't know. We're still figuring it out. We're figuring a lot of things out. I'm Craig. <laughs> and I'm Carla. And we're trying to understand being human from the perspective, perspective of God's story in the Bible. It's more than just being a species like Homo sapiens. We think it's about community, about relationships, and about welcoming. We're figuring it out, still. So, join us as we do. Because we're not holier than you. Oh, I didn't want that to rhyme. Okay, so we're recording. Okay. I hope. I'll try not to clear my throat anymore. And I'll try not to clear mine either. Okay. Good evening. It's evening for us, and we're not holier than you. I'm Carla. I'm Craig. And we're back to continue thinking about what it means to be human. In the last two weeks, we have talked about the origin story found in Genesis chapters one and two, where God creates. Uh, everything and says that it is good and when God creates uh, humans God takes the uh, original human Adam pretty much it sounds like slicing Adam in half and creating another human who is Eve and they are male and female and then we also Last week looked at an origin story that goes a little bit later into Genesis where we think of um, uh, the Tower of Babel, uh, not so much about the Tower of Babel, but about um, Nimrod and the story that comes out of the Babylonian Empire of the origin story is more violent and that the humans who are finally created from these gods who are uh, fighting and chasing each other down and killing one another is that they create humans who are there to serve the gods. That's what they're there for. So they're not really there for relationship with the gods that have created them. So we were going to go back and look at the garden a little bit more, the Garden of Eden, and we were going to talk about the trees. And all I know is that I remember listening to another podcast um, a couple of years ago, I think it was, and I never really knew that trees communicate with one another. They have a humongous root system and the trees communicate through the roots. I thought that was pretty amazing. So I wonder, well, that's how God created things. And so it makes me wonder a little bit about the trees in the garden. And we know two trees are specifically named. For some reason, we tend to think of the fruit uh, that Adam and Eve eat, even though they're not supposed to, is an apple. It's always been an apple. Don't know why. But we hear of in Genesis chapter 2, verse 9, there's a tree of life, and there's also the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. These trees are in the garden. And yet, farther down in that chapter, God tells 
the man, this is at least in this chapter, Eve has not yet been created, says you may, in verse 16, well, God says, says to the man, you may freely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall die. And the question is, why does the knowledge of good and evil cause us to die, perhaps, is the big question to think about. Do we even think about that? It's and a, it, you, and it, think about sin. Yeah, so, so it's interesting to think about the tree, the second tree, which is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, as our translations translated as good and evil. Yeah. And I want to suggest that that can be, could be understood as a mistranslation, a mis mistaken translation, okay. and give some reasons for that in a little bit. But often we overlook the first tree. The tree of life. Correct. And I wonder why that is. Maybe because it's just briefly mentioned there in verse, verses 9. Yeah, verse 9, 10. I believe. Verse yeah. 9, yeah. Yeah, so perhaps because it's so briefly mentioned, and because it's not the center of the conflict that emerges later. That's you true. Know, there's so much that, that comes around that other tree. But yeah, so there is the tree of life. And, and it's, it, like you said, it's in verse 9. But let's look at chapter 2, verse 8. The Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, at, in the east and put there a human or the human that he had formed. In the fertile land, the Lord God grew every beautiful tree with edible fruit, and he also grew the tree of life in the middle of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So there's two trees here, and we know the location of one is right there in the middle, and then there's this also this other tree. Right. The middle, that must make that must have some significance. It, it does seem like it has a place of prominence. Yes. Yeah. And and it has this promise, it's the tree of life, which be interesting to unpack and figure out what does that mean? And maybe let's revisit that toward the end and, and think about, well, what what is the life that hit that it offered or, or how is, how would that be? What does it do? I mean, yeah, um, yeah. But like we were saying, the center of the action seems to be around this second tree. And this right. is all this is all a conversation, like you noted. This is all conversation with Adam. Right, right. It, it, I mean, it's after the mention where God commands you may freely eat, in verse 18, it says, Ah, it's not good that the human should be alone. And so right. yeah, there's so, not that counterpart. That and and so we make I at least I make the assumption by the time Adam's counterpart, who later is named Eve, as mm -hmm. soon as as soon as his you know counterpart is there, I would assume that he said, Okay, we can eat from these uh -huh. and we can't eat from that one. I like he brought her up to speed. I I would hope. I would hope. Yeah. Um, I mean, just think of the way you and I communicate. We never leave any each other in the dark. You know? No, never. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe that's another topic for another time. Yeah, yeah. So, so we have this tree of, of life, and we have the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The, um, 
this tree of life, like I said, I want to revisit what that might mean or how that you know plays into it later on. But here it seems like it is a fruit that that the human is meant to eat. It, the tree of life is not reserved for some later, you know, you can only eat of it like when you're going to die. So you need a little shot of life or you know, we don't really know what it what it what what its purpose is from the text. Well, and, and also in verse 16, God says you may freely eat of every tree of the garden. Right. Except except for this one. Yes. And so the tree of life is in there as this tree from which they can eat. Yes. And and one of the things that I had mentioned um or maybe I didn't mention it while we were recording, but the 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 Hebrew language is is fun in verse sixteen because it says the Lord commanded the human, and it says eat your fill, or your translation said you may freely eat. Freely eat. In the Hebrew, when it wants to emphasize something like a verb in action, it just says it twice, and so the Hebrew is eat eat from all the garden streets. It's meant to emphasize these are here for you to enjoy, nothing holding you back. So if you want to eat a whole much more, a lot more of the tree of life than you want to eat from, you know, the okra or the carrots, whatever, go for it. Just, you know, freely eat. There's no, no restraint. I suppose they didn't get stomach aches from all that fruit. <laughs> no, I, everything was fine, you know? Yeah, that's what we know, yeah. So um, the other tree, though, the one that is in the center of the action. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Right. I always have to remember, it's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so and one of the things I was looking at today, trying to play around with, was diagramming a sentence on that. Hmm. Um, well, let's and I'll, I'll get to high I'll, school English, right? Yeah, so I'll, fifth grade English. That's a rabbit hole. If you want to diagram the sentence, feel yeah, free. Thank you. Uh, but we have here this tree. And then we also have this, uh, these descriptors of what this tree does or it, what it's like. Okay. And to a certain degree, the good and the evil here, those are adjectives de describing the tree. Well, I wouldn't say that it's a tree of the knowledge. It's, well, or it's, it's describing the, the, knowledge. the knowledge. Yes. Yeah. But the, the words good and evil yes. still are functioning as adjectives. They're, they're giving a, you know, they're filling out that nouns character, whether it's knowledge or, or tree or whatever. All right. Now, in Hebrew, when the word, uh, but the two words that are used here is tov. Tov is good. Ra is bad. Not evil? It means bad. Not generally evil. Hmm. Uh, so if it's a noun, it's evil. You know, uh, it, it you know, so we, we think of these cosmic forces of good and evil at battle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But if we're thinking adjectives, we talk about good and good and bad. We're talking about, you know, um, building a, a, a set of shelves with hammer and nails is good. Hitting your thumb with the hammer is bad. Okay. That's tov and ra as adjectives. Okay. And so you're saying that this was a mistranslation. Is that because translators put it as a noun then? It could be, but I think it's, uh, before I say it's a mistranslation, I think it's also worth looking at a few other scriptures that use these words tov and ra. And so there's some examples of some other passages in the Bible that use um, this, this combination of either tov or ra or tov and ra. And so one of them comes from 
uh, Ecclesiastes 2, 16 and 17. And I don't know if you have that handy if you want to yeah. look that up, but um, then there's another one from Proverbs. Uh, that's a good one. And there's some other places as well. But I should have had that right turn to that so I could turn to that quickly. What's the Proverbs one? I'm right there. Proverbs is 25, 19. I'll go ahead and read the Ecclesiastes one then. Okay. So Ecclesiastes says, For the wise, like the fool, will not be long remembered. The days have already come when both have been forgotten. Like the fool, the wise men must die. So I hated life because the work that is done under the sun was raw to me. And so that's where the word raw gets used in that passage. And it's usually, it can be, it can be translated as evil. Mm -hmm. Or other translations of Ecclesiastes include meaningless or empty. Okay. Which meaningless and empty are more a character of like bad, um, you know, more than, than just saying it's evil. How does the Proverbs passage read there? Well, like a bad or raw tooth or a lame foot is trust in a faithless person in time of trouble. Okay. So, so if you've got a really bad toothache, you're not going to go to the dentist and go, this, this uh, incisor is evil. Right. You're going to say, this is hurting me and it hurts badly maybe or something but right. yeah we usually don't refer to something like that as evil okay and so one of the reasons to to scale back from the good and the evil as these cosmic forces um and pull it back to good and bad also has to do i think with maybe immediate uh consequence you eat a piece of bad fruit it tastes bad as soon as you bite it the consequences are immediate. Okay. You know, hit your thumb with a hammer, you feel it there, and it's bad. And it's also not necessarily, you know, when we think of evil, does it also have the sound of giving ourselves over to some, some darkness, you know, some yeah, we more spiritual. Yeah, we tend to think of the devil, you know? Yeah. Yeah, Satan is out there, and, and there are biblical... Uh, allusions to that and you know it's like you know selling our soul to satan would be some of those or as an old comedian used to say the devil made me do it so we think of that we think right. of evil and we equate it with a being a, a being this power and, and and it and that comes later in the bible story right here all we've got is god a garden and one human and soon to be two humans. Yes. And that's all that's there. And so the story isn't moving into these uh, uh, dark forces of evil. It's a really small cast, you'd say. So then it could be good and bad. And there's a difference between evil and, and bad. Right. Right. So with that, just it kind of hold on to that idea of good and bad coming in. So we have this story now. We've got these two trees. We've got the tree of life, and we've got the tree of this knowledge of tov and ra. So learn a little Hebrew. It's easier than saying good and evil. Okay. So tov and ra. And, and then we also make this assumption that uh, the human who later becomes Adam brings the woman who later is named Eve, brings her up to speed when she comes onto the scene. And so... In verse, I mean, when we get to, by the time we get to chapter three, yes, 
we're coming up with the latest addition to the cast of characters. So we've got the man and his wife. That's what it says, I guess, refers to them. And then there's a serpent. Right. Is more crafty than any other wild animal that the Lord God has made. Okay, so there we go. Uh, this is not, you know, um, this is one of the animals of God's creation. Mm, right. And it seems as though this animal has uh, cognition. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and this animal, and again, we're talking poetry here. These are not literal descriptions of stuff. Okay. This is not like a blueprint of this is how it all happened. But Some people might disagree with you on that. But this but is a this is a story. poetic description. Um, one of the books we read last year, how the Bible actually works. Just My a little little plug for that book here. Um, one of the his subtitle is in which I explain how an ancient, ambiguous, and diverse book leads us to wisdom rather than answers. And uh, that's that's one of those things to kind of keep in the back of our minds as we where this serpent come from, you know. Uh, now the word that your translation, uh, New Revised Standard Version, yes. says the this serpent was crafty. Yes. Now the one I read is the Common English Version, which says the snake was the most intelligent. Hmm. Which yeah, it would seem, but At, crafty. That certainly um, it gives you a whole different connotation. And so the um, and the serpent, even in, even the serpent sounds bad. Yeah. And, and though I'm jumping out of this story into another, what does Jesus say to his disciples about how to behave out in the world? Uh, to be as um, uh, gentle as doves, but as, as wise as serpents. Right. Yeah. yeah, as wise as serpents and gentle as doves. So even there, there is this kind of... Um, lifting up of this character of yeah. the serpent as as wise so perhaps crafty perhaps mm -hmm. wise intelligent uh, and depending on what we assume about this character before we read it or before we get into the story we think oh like if i handed you right now a live snake what would you say no thank you i would it's just a cute little creature right no no thank you but mm -hmm. yeah snakes have always carried this bad feeling yeah. from a lot of people not and, everybody but some people and and I, th I think sometimes it goes back to the layers that we put on this story that could very well be so this is a smart animal it's the smartest that god had made and the animal comes up to the woman and says did god really say that you shouldn't eat from any tree in the garden the craftiness is in the the way that the question is asked right of any tree as if God hadn't given that freedom for all those trees, but the one. Right, right. Mm. And so it's almost as if the, the serpent's craftiness is, how can I enter into dialogue to keep the conversation going? Okay. And so the woman, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say that when the woman answers, she, she, she says that we can eat the fruit of any of the trees, the one in the middle of the garden, we're uh, that is in the middle of the garden, uh, you shouldn't touch it even. Right. Yeah. So Adam may be over embellished. 
Yeah, that's true. Maybe that was just for everybody's safety. <laughs> um, and what's interesting, she doesn't answer the question with the same specificity of instruction that Adam was given instruction. Adam was told, you may eat, eat from everything, but not the one, you know, the, of the Tovin Ra. And her response is, you know, we may eat the fruit of the garden's trees, but not the fruit of the, tr of the tree in the middle of the garden. She could have said, we're not supposed to eat from the, we can eat from the tree of life, but we can't eat from the tree of Tovin Ra. Um, so something's breaking down, perhaps, maybe in the story and, and the way that she's telling it. Whatever, it's, you know, she says, God said, don't eat, don't touch, or you will die. So the snake continues to challenge this death prediction right you won't die so in thinking about the creation of adam and being cut in half it makes me think that we have two halves of our brains still but it makes me wonder if there was a a part of the brain that was left in man that was put maybe more fully in woman how do you mean? How do you see that? Well, she's explaining a little bit there. Sometimes I find that men can be a little more direct. Okay. So there might have been something just in the difference of their character, just as they're created. Looking at things or okay. point of view. Okay. And so and so the, the, the serpent challenges challenges her back, saying, you know, you won't die. And this is where the, the serpent pushes a different tack. God knows that on the day you eat from it, you will see clearly and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Tov and Ra. So that is Ra there. It, it's still the word Ra. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we're knowing good and bad. But the, the point is you will be like God. Mm -hmm. and so does God yes. does God not want them to attain that or you know, move in that direction. And I think that's what some, um, the, I don't know, theologians or people would have you believe that that was the first sin was trying to be like God. Pride. Yeah. Of sorts. And, and when we you were know, looking at the story last week of Babel, that was part of the Tower of Babel, you know, pride. is to create their own deity, you know, and just keep and, reaching to the heavens. Holy place. Yeah. Yeah. Where their gods would be yeah so a sense of pride there as well so is that the problem pride yeah or i mean that that thing oh you know god knows that you'll be like gods and you're you so no you you can't go there well or, now how my translation is here is that god is capital g o d that we would be like god the creator is what i understand but maybe is that supposed i have also heard i think you said gods right i think aren't there some translations that also translate that right it's lowercase so, g and so it's a little bit different when we when we stick closely to the to the hebrew uh let me see and i'm looking at oh i'm looking at the wrong chapter and verse um I'll get to this part. So, so here's the challenge. The serpent says, you will be like gods, or you will be like a god, or you will be like God, whatever. 
all, all through here, the word is El or Elohim, which is also used for all divine beings, not exclusively, not just Yahweh alone. Right. Elohim is kind of God's. God. Yeah. It's, it means divine being. Yeah. Okay, it's sometimes being. used for angels, sometimes used for other gods of other nations. Okay. It's kind of a generic God. It's something we like low, low G, you know, low, uh, a little, lower low, lowercase G. G God okay. kind of thing. Um, it's just one of the ways translations get hard to figure out. So here, but so the Satan, so the Satan, I almost said that, but the serpent says, God knows that when you eat, you will be like God. But here's what the people aren't getting that they're forgetting is what God already said about the human beings. And so at the very beginning of chapter one, or the, 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 the first poem of creation in chapter one, in verses 26 and 27, we find out that the human beings already are like God. They're in God's image. Right. Yes. This is something that they already possess. Right. I even have uh, written in the margin of my Bible uh, that uh, as this kind of goes on, that now bearing God's image is fearful. Hmm. I don't remember writing that. And what does that mean? What that, um, yeah, I have to think on that for a minute here. Okay. But thinking that if we're created in God's image, if we know as much as God, that would, makes me think a little bit of Bruce Almighty when all the people are praying and he's getting covered with post-it notes because he can't keep track of all the prayers. It's, it's a fearful thing to be responsible for so many others perhaps but here, here's the thing that i think we miss is i mean i i, I never saw this until a month ago a few months ago that that first creation story is telling the humans everything it's it's like the prodigal father speaking to the the son the elder son who said, and he says, everything I have is yours. And so there is, once the human beings show up and God says, you, you know, you're in the image of God and you're about God's work, you know, God walked in the garden, you know, the, the human beings were there to uh, basically order and sustain and you know the words are subdue or have dominion but it's yes. it's these are these are words to of cult for. these are words of cultivation and maintaining yes yeah. and care and and so they had all the royal and divine power that god was exercising they already were like god why did they forget that or why did they not remember that why is it that they chose another story hmm. so i think the temptation here is not so much that it wasn't pride necessarily and i'm not sure that, that it was um wanting to grasp 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 something that was not theirs to grasp i wonder if it was that they didn't hold on to what they already had well, that makes me think a little bit about, I had never heard this term before. And when we lived in Pennsylvania, 
uh, I kind of picked up on this statement. Uh, as the children walked out the door, remember who you are. And I've also heard some other people kind of kind of make it remember whose you are. Um, W-H-O-S-E, of course. Um, maybe there was a little bit of that forgetting who they were. Forget, somehow, maybe even though God was walking in the garden, maybe they had a short attention span. And see, that's that's one of the reasons I wanted to jump to the Babylonian story before, uh, you know, last week was... You know, th these are poems. These are not meant to be chronological histories. Right. They're... So at some point, humanity is making a choice about who they want to be or what they want to be like. And could it, you know, were, were, were these ancient stories about these gods who were vicious and violent and, and out to... Um, turn humans into you know servile creatures was that a story that was oh that i i want to be on top of that heap i do not want to be uh the oppressed i want to be the victor you know was was it forgetting the story was it like you said as the kids go off to school remember who you are mm -hmm. were they not only forgetting who they were but also forgetting who god was was that what the story was that could very well be because there's a huge difference between a God who has created you, has placed God's image in you, and uh, is asking you to have care over the creation in comparison to, no, you're here to serve me. So I don't know if one is easier to remember than another, um, but it sure seems like I don't know i like the one where we're in we're connected to god and we are uh, partners with god we're cons we conspire with god to make sure that things are going smoothly as opposed to the dog eat dog kind of world that the other origin stories yeah show so i, I had this feeling like this story is about early humans are making choices about what they want to attain. And my hunt, you know, if, if the world is, if the world is vicious, well, then maybe I want to be, need to be vicious I, I, I need to be stronger. I, you know, I, I maybe, maybe I don't like the Babylonian story, but if it's, if it, if by any chance it's true, then I really need to step up. I need to be more like that in yeah. order to survive, in order to get ahead. So I'm not a victim. Right. Oh, and, and even in our, you know, we hear that term, get ahead, that the whole purpose in our life is to get ahead. Yeah. It's a rat race. It's doggy dog. And um, yeah, it kind of doesn't make you think about we're here to care. We're here to um, love in the way in which God has loved us and to care about what God has created. And then, and then, and then the story goes on, you know, and it, it, 
it moves quickly at that point. Um, so the woman saw that the, you know, the, the fruit looked good. Um, it would provide wisdom. So she took some of it, ate it, gave some to her husband who was with her. He ate it <laughs> mm-hmm. and it just unraveled so quickly. Then they both saw, saw clearly and knew they were naked. That's a huge piece right there. They never saw that before. Right. Uh, so they sewed fig leaves together and made garments for themselves. Um, during that day's cool evening breeze, they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden. And the man and his wife hid themselves. There's an old, uh, before I get, they hid themselves from the Lord in the, who was in the middle of the garden, garden's trees. And the Lord called out to the man and said, where are you? Uh, there's an old rabbinic um, teaching on this from the from the the Hasidic rabbis of Poland in the old mid you know during the Reformation era, and they said God knew exactly where Adam was. Adam didn't know where he was. He needed to stop and assess how did I get here. It's not that God's looking for you like, are you hiding behind the tree? It's the man needed to hear the question, where am I? And, and God, ha- well, where am I? Yeah, how, how did I get here? Okay. You know, <clears throat> We have to understand what led us where we go. Yeah. And I'm just thinking that whole question of where are you? Uh, God is still relentlessly calling out and asking us that question where are you yeah and it's for us to say i'm trying to run as far away from you as i can you know (laughs) or you know i'm trying to hide and that's you know the story here yeah it makes me think a little bit of uh shopping with toddlers and you know you maybe don't hold on to them maybe they're four by that time and they go and they hide you're in the clothing store and they go and they hide in the circle rack where are you come out yes uh and you go searching as the parent to you know whether God did that or not. It's not quite clear here, yeah. but. But you also know I, that, that, that your son or daughter in hiding in the rack can hear you. Yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. And they're still not wanting to pop their head out. Right. And so this whole thing about nakedness is a huge thing. It creates this separation. It's a barrier that did not exist before. So this knowledge of Tovin Ra and whatever wisdom they gain one of the first things they notice is something that drives them away from each other. Some people would say, wait, that would drive us toward one another, perhaps. And so, but, but the story here is from the very beginning, the human being was in the full image of God as they were together. You know, back to the first chapter, in the image of God, they were made male and female. The image of God is in this unity of human beings being together. And as soon as they eat this, they are no longer together. And so all of a sudden, this is the huge thing out of the tree, is the image of God is fractured in humanity. It's almost like having a broken mirror with a crack down the middle. And how do you get back together? Yeah, can you get it back together? Yeah. Even, even if you do glue it back together, you can still see the fracture and there's still kind of a, an altered right. image. The and, image is not quite the same. And it was 
reflecting. And it's and it's this is where theologies of, that are called the fall yes. come from, is this idea that there is now this fracture in the image of God, and it some theories of the fall are it's almost like genetic. Everyone who is born is a sinner from the moment they breathe. They're, you know, mm -hmm. and it has to do with a, what I think is a misreading of Psalm 51, you know, where the psalmist, yeah. what's it say? Uh, even even in sin, I was conceived. Right. Yeah. 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 And and so it's like from the very beginning. Yeah. This, I, those are conflating two different stories. Yeah, but yeah. but the brokenness here is one that I think is better to say, at least for me, like a social fracturing. And we live in a broken world. We break it every generation. Every person falls into the brokenness and we can't. We have a hard time getting these pieces back together. Right. Well, when something is broken, it's going to look different. You know, even if you do put it back together, you'll still see the cracks. There might be a little chunk missing out of there hmm. so it's not fully uh, it, it still might be glued back together but it's not it's not whole any longer so one way to look at the rest of the bible story and it even goes to the very last book of the bible with the book of revelation and and the church is a a, a bride and jesus is a groom uh-huh it has to do with the whole Bible story is how do we get these fractured human pieces back together? So the whole image of God will once again be restored. And that's not something we're probably going to get answered in this podcast, not even. is it? No, not even close. But I think that's part of the purpose of the gospel of what, 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 this is the good news. God's intention is for human beings to come together and in being together, start to undo the fracturing that happened right here in this very first breakdown. To start using um, God language, God um teachings and try the the work is to bring hope and healing into each other's lives rather than uh being pushed away from each other because we have too much knowledge mm -hmm. of good and evil and so on this in this story to to finish off this story i mean one of the things that I think is worth letting it sit heavy is the weight of the consequence. So, I mean, there was a moment when all humanity, sure, it was only two people in this story, but let's say humanity bore the image of God, was like God, was shared the royal rule of God. I mean, was this incredibly divine place that's unimaginable yeah and soon as this happened it's a matter of eyes opening and everything's different yes and and so at that point um jumping ahead actually verse 13 god says to the woman what have you done she says the snake tricked me i ate it 
But God says, because you did this to the snake, you are cursed out of all the, all the animals, uh, the domestic animals and all the wild animals. You're going to crawl on your belly and dust you'll eat every day of your life. Makes you wonder if snakes didn't use to crawl. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it makes it sound like they used to have legs. <laughs> yeah, and then, and then I'll put contempt between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. They'll strike your head, uh, but you will strike at their heels. Uh, to the woman, he said, I'll make your pregnancy painful. To the man, he said, you're going to have to, um, the, the land's going to be cursed, and you're going to have to work land all your life. And you get this, it is not the way it was in the garden blessing is kind of gone it, 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 it is like. gone yeah and then i think for me what i find to be the most unsettling piece is uh, reading on from verse 20 uh, the man named his wife eve so that's where her name shows up because she's the mother of everyone who lives the lord god made the man and his wife leather clothes and dressed them so god sees that they are ashamed of their separation their nakedness and their difference mm -hmm. um, yeah god adapts to it acknowledges that clothed them uh, the lord god said the human being has now become like one of us knowing good and evil not know not like us sharing our image knowing us by possessing this separate awareness it's not the same as like us sharing our image mm. it's a different language interesting i hadn't, hadn't really noticed that before so there, there's almost like nothing wrong with being like god on god's terms being like god on our terms it's a different story now so he doesn't stretch out his hand and take from the tree of life we haven't heard from the tree of life for a long time but that's the one that God is now going to protect more than anything so that he doesn't go back to the tree of life and live forever. So early yeah. on, it's like, eat, eat from the, all of the trees, eat, yeah. eat, you can yeah. eat from this one. So, Oh yeah, you, you had an accident and you, you know, died here, eat an apple real quick. Oh, you're back. I don't, I don't know what that life tree did, Yeah. but it sustained and restored. It renewed. And later on also we'll come up with the tree of life in the book of revelation. Right. That I'm heals thinking, the nations. Yes, and I'm thinking that the Tree of Life allowed that uh, easy compatibility between uh, the creation and the creator. If that makes sense. That's what I, I'm thinking. Right. Allowed yeah. that lack of fear yeah. to exist, so that humans could live without without the fear of each other and without the fear of God. And I don't mean that in a in an awe. Well, that fear of God way, is a weird phrase. Yeah, but but I'm yeah. afraid. I'm afraid. Terrified. It's, yeah, I need to hide from you because you're going to do something to me. It is source of joy and restoration and all those good things. Yeah. And so then, the Lord sent him out of the Garden of Eden to the to the farm and the fertile land from which he was taken. Um, to farm the fertile land from which he was taken. He drove out the human to the east of the Garden of Eden. He stationed winged creatures wielding flaming swords to guard the way to the tree of life. Yeah. And that's... in other words, you can't get back in. You can't come back. You're, I've, I've banished you. 
and it makes me think of like the castle the gate you know like if it was a castle um, and you're banishing someone from the castle and the king says okay raise the drawbridge and you can't get past that moat you can't get past the big wooden drawbridge that is closing things up it's a stone wall but that's not the end of the story and that's the good news there it's not the end of the story and we're going to think more on this next week All right. Well, hey, thank you for uh, listening to our conversation. Not holier than you. <laughs> uh, and boy, we really like that title because I think it's true. Correct. <laughs> I thought I'd have to say it so quickly. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know I'm not holier than anybody else Oh, I thought you meant here. me. Okay. No, no, no. So, I'm talking to, about myself. Uh, so we're a couple of pastors. Yep. We pastor a small congregation of Anabaptist Mennonites here in, in Idaho. Meridian, Idaho. Meridian, Idaho. Yep. We're just learning this stuff and trying to figure it out along with you. So if you if we say something that's heretical or horrible or you think we're just wrong, that's okay. We probably we might be. We're learning as we go. Oh, well, I don't think we're heretical in no. any way, but um, <laughs> I try a little. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, um, we are glad that you joined us, and we hope that you'll join us again. Great. All right. See ya. Thank you. Bye. Bye.